Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. How's it going, Derek? Fantastic. You cleaned out your one storage unit, mm-hmm. and you've got another storage unit, mm-hmm. and you still have that little playboat in there. I it is do. going down hills this winter. <laughs> I've had enough of this crap of you saying, oh, it's in there. It's in there. It's in there. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to. It is going to bargaining this year. We could. We could do that. We are doing it. It, it is just sitting there in a storage unit. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. We're making plans. We're making plans yeah. for hard water season. Yes. Soft snow season, hopefully. Yeah. And we are going uh, sliding. And ideally soft trees. <laughs> Oh, I am. And I, I, I dodge trees. I'm allergic to trees. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know how you get those uh, magnets that, you know, north to south and they, they yeah, repel yeah, or yeah, whatever? No, yeah. north and north repel? Yeah. Yeah, that's me and trees. <laughs> yeah. Trees and I repel each other. Do you, have you seen any of the uh, crashed ice races out of oh, Quebec? Oh, yeah. So all the people on hockey skates are just yep. ripping down, down the hill. They had the one in Niagara Falls, I think, too. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I saw I saw recently, very recently, a video of uh, whitewater kayak racing. Yes, same deal. Mm-hmm. See, and these guys saying. were like all over the place. Yeah. They had no, uh, almost no control. I'm pretty sure there was absolutely no control. <laughs> but we're taking it this year. I don't care. I, I will go over, and I will ask your wife to the key, <laughs> so that I can go and get it if you're not if you're not going to come. I will just go steal it. From, I'll jump the fence to the storage unit yeah. and steal it. So speaking and of which, yeah, speaking of which, when we were there on the weekend, we emptied out the, because we had just moved. So we had a storage unit just for the move and that one's empty now. Anyways, I went to check on the other smaller one because after a couple of weeks, I just found the keys to it. Anyway, so I went to open it up and I, I'm looking at it and I pointed, point, I said, look, 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 I pointed it out to Siobhan. And so there's a, a latch that whips sideways mm-hmm. to put a pin so it won't slide up and down. And then the lock goes through the, the two rings. So right. you lock the two rings together and then that latch won't pull back. Right. Well, the lock was through one ring. The other one was just flippy floppy. I... Hmm... The lock was snapped on the door, but the latch wasn't closed. So it's been like that for over a month. So that was a, a user <laughs> error or not a somebody trying to it, break No, in? no. It was a user error. Yeah. 100% user error. Way to go, user. <laughs> but I don't... <laughs> I'm trying to think who, who locked it last week. I want to blame my wife. I'm we pretty- all know it wasn't her. <laughs> blame Beckett. I'm surprised. And I opened the door and nothing was missing. But it's like, oh... Because everybody for the last month has been looking at that going, what a loser! <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> what like, a wow. weenie. Well, we are going to go to that storage unit. We are going to get that playboat out of there, and we are going <laughs> tobogganing. If it's still there, because I didn't look in the back, so... What do you mean if it's still there? Well, the door was unlocked for over a month. I and that's looked- what somebody's going to take, is is a, a nasty old playboat. <laughs> probably got a hole in it filled with mice yes probably mice poo (laughs) maybe a snake or something yeah there's a lot of stuff in that storage unit i gotta get rid of it gotta sell stuff downsize downsize i'll give you five bucks a little bit of everything 
I'll give you five bucks for that plate. You know what? Because I know you twenty bucks and a beer. <laughs> <laughs> I've got an old French scooter, like a really like a nineteen fifties scooter. Oh, I take that uh, off your hands. One of those things is like, oh, this will be a project it's not someday. Not like a Vespa, is it? No, I can't remember the name on it. But it's French, not Italian. It's French. It's really weird looking. <laughs> There's probably stuff in there that you're just like, I have no clue. I forgot I had that. I forgot I had that. I don't even remember why I had that. And in the trash bin it goes. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, honestly, like, there's a lot of stuff that, uh, a lot, we're, we're going to do a dump run. It's like, man, I could have got rid of this storage unit six months ago if I decided six months sooner to throw this stuff out. See? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I paid to store it. Oh, and well. then I'm going to throw it away. See? Mm-hmm. It's perfect. <laughs> I'll, give you th- I'll give you 40 bucks for that playboat. <laughs> it's only going to get destroyed this winter. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fun. Yeah. Maybe maybe we'll just call people up and say, hey, we're going to have a little race. Yeah. Bring your old playboat <laughs> or something or something that you can go yeah. down a hill and we'll go and to that town. playboat is practically brand new because when I bought it, I bought it at the end of the season. I had... Uh, In 1832. <laughs> well, maybe not that long ago. But it was uh, at least eight years ago. And uh, I had just come off a trip from British Columbia where I dislocated my shoulder. So I had to take a, a year or so off of uh, whitewater kayaking. Well, that have to be more than eight years ago then. Why is that? Because this February we will be doing this eight years. Has I've never known you to have a dislocated shoulder. Wow, it's been a long time, eh? 1832. That boat is 100 years old. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. It was uh, be around the time Stella was born, so that would have been 13 years ago. It's just like a fish. The fish was this big. It gets bigger every year. The more you talk I about know. it, that was twenty. That was twenty-five years ago. Yeah, I can remember it like it was thirty years ago. Because yeah, I bought yeah. it. I bought it at Wild Rock Outfitters in Peterborough. And I bought, and we got uh, about the same time. We got a a stroller for Stella. So yeah, it's been thirteen years. Dun, dun, dun. And it was practically brand new then too, because I had, practically yeah, because I had I had used it once or twice. But then I had dislocated my shoulder mountain biking. and uh, So now you're going to dislocate your shoulder tobogganing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Eh, what goes around comes around. <laughs> it's all good. It'll be fun. Man, how time flies, eh? Yeah. Hmm. I know. Yeah. I blame, I blame it on having kids. All the stuff I used to do. Yeah. <laughs> like go to bars and drink all night. No. And go to school. Rock climbing and mountaineering and whitewater kayaking and all that stuff. Hmm. And, we of course, I am sold all four I'm miles. much older now, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know what? McKen's, I used to take McKenzie when he was small. We used to still go to the climbing gyms. Hmm. Yep. And yep. when we moved from Scarborough, I sold four motorcycle my four motorcycles. And that's the last time I had motorcycles. Hmm. So it's been a while. It's been a long while. <laughs> yeah. Good times, buddy. Good know, times. Right? Um, there's a new blog on our oh, yes, Facebook you wrote a new or blog. Not our, our website 
PaddlingAdventuresRadio.com. Go to the blog page. There's a new blog. The so ramblings, all, ramblings of Sean. The ramblings of me. It's all about how I got started, My how my canoe life began. Mm-hmm. Way, way back. Almost 30, well, 30, more than 30 years ago, but... <laughs> um, Back in yeah. my day. Back in my day <laughs> when we had a 90-pound fiberglass freighter-style canoe portaging everywhere. We didn't care. Well, yes, we did, but <laughs> they didn't have this lightweight stuff y'all got today. <laughs> you kids got to eat. We had to go up to school uphill both ways <laughs> in the snow up to our eyeballs. Yeah, yeah. I remember when they were building the Avro Arrow. Oh, yeah. Good days. Good days. <laughs> Speaking of old times, let's go back 600 years. 600? Just 600. Yeah. The uh, Kitayama River. Only place in Japan where highly skilled helmsmen are keeping the ancient tradition of log rafting or Ikata Kudari alive. We've talked about this uh number of years ago. Yeah. Number six six or eight ago. years ago. Yeah. Or 10, 12, 13, 25, <laughs> 40 years ago now. A small village also called Kiriyama in Wakiyama is usually a quiet and peaceful place, but every year from the beginning of May to the end of September, up to 7,000 visitors. See, and I, I want to talk about this again because they give a whole lot more information now than we, we knew back then. Yeah. Uh, 7,000 visitors depend uh, descend on the village of just 400 that's crazy, eh? So they go from 400 to 7,400 for an experience that can't be enjoyed anywhere else in Japan. A thrilling 70-minute ride on rafts made from whole tree trunks. And we've talked about this yeah. many times, but yeah. never. Like a, it's like an undulating wooden snake that goes down the river. Yeah, I know that somebody's, uh, people have described it as, oh yeah, Japan, so it has to be like a dragon going down, yes. a water dragon. Yeah. Uh, it's so much fun. It isn't scary at all, says one person who has tried Ikata Kudari or log rafting. Uh, and Ikata is a raft and Kudari means descent. She described it as an immersive experience. <laughs> they literally. Soaking wet. <laughs> as passengers are submerged up to their waists in the rapids at times. A uh, perfect way of soaking in the view. Oh, the puns. Yes, yes. A lush forest perched on the edge of steep cliffs meeting the bright blue waters of the Kitayama River. Now, I was watching some more videos of this because there are some more videos now. And they've actually got, because we talked about how they, they have the log rafts together. Yep. And there's... Um, there's like parallel bars. Parallel like, bars, yeah. yeah, that you can you stand between yeah. and you hold on to. Mm-hmm. But the, I also saw they've got a bench, like a long I bench that you can... I they had the bench before, too. Did, did you? Yeah. I, I don't remember seeing that. So you can yeah. sit on it with one foot on each side and you sit straight down on it. Because I remember right? thinking in my head, it looks like you're sitting on a skidoo seat or something. Yeah, yeah. And But when you get to rapids, apparently, you have to stand up. Yes. Or you're <laughs> going right under. Yes. <laughs> 30 meter long rafts are built uh, deep in the forest in a clearing where dozens of tree trunks lay on top of low metal beams trunks are organized into four columns each making up one raft of seven sections each formed in turn by seven or eight logs attached with metal wires and wooden planks it seems impossible that something so long can navigate the narrow and meandering Kitayama River uh, the Ikata Ike- 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 seems long here, but 
they look a lot shorter on the river. Because most of it's submerged. Right. Uh, says uh, <laughs> Makoto Banya, who was constructing the rafts with fellow raft builder Kuzahiro Tokoro. Uh, Banya exp- explains that every section weighs a ton. That's amazing. So when they got seven sections, mm. you got seven tons. Tons of raft. That's a seven ton raft <laughs> heading down that river looking like a train. Yeah. Be interesting if something like that would work on the Colorado River or something. Grand Canyon. I don't know. Or, yeah, I don't know. That'd be kind of sketch. <laughs> yeah. Each year between October and March, four new rafts are built from local cedar and cypress, then left to dry for a year to ensure the trunk's buoyancy. Usually the rafts can no longer be ridden after three years because the impact on the river's rocks causes too many dents, resulting in water seeping in. So then they're reused as wood chips. So it doesn't go to waste, right? Recycle sort of thing. Banya is in charge of building the Ikata, and Takoro helps out when he isn't busy with other jobs. Effectively, this means Banya spends the coldest months of the year working in the middle of the forest, often alone. Then in May, his life transforms, as does that of Takoro a 14, and 14 other helmsmen, or Ikidashi. In the peak season between July and September, they work four mornings and four afternoon rides. So they get to go down eight times a day. Yeah, that's crazy. Each carrying up to 20 people six days a week. Huh. That's 48 rides a week, man. (laughs) You're getting waterlogged a bit. Right? On every ride, four Ikidashi stand in the front, middle, and back of the raft, holding only onto long wooden paddles, working as a team to ensure the Ikata travels down the snaking river as straight as possible by continuously bringing each section into line. Now, you watch the videos... And you watch them going down the the rapids, of yeah, course. Yeah. But then there's there's some flat sections where they're just floating along. Yeah, and, and they've got a sort of paddle. Yeah. Seven yeah. tons of log. Four guys paddling <laughs> seven tons of logs. Yeah. No thanks. Uh, Kitayama's Ikidashi have inherited a 600 year old tradition. Prior to the construction of modern roads, in fact, they were responsible for transporting wood. For 60 kilometers from Kitayama to Shingu, a city of, on Wakayama's uh, coast, by building rafts out of logs that needed to be moved, a method also adopted in other parts of Japan where logging was widespread. However, this small village is the only place in Japan that has kept the tradition alive. Now, one thing they were talking about um, is it's all men. Oh, because no women have applied to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a lot of the passengers were women. Yeah, right? I think they're just tours. But yeah, there seem to be a lot of women yeah, passengers. passengers. Uh, I, guess, I guess tours would be a better name than passengers. Passengers, yeah. Uh, Kiriyama's Ikidashi were especially skilled because the river is steep. So much so that in 1918, local raft masters traveled to China and Korea to teach the technique. Logs stopped being moved this way in the late 1930s and as transport via trucks became more common. But it's a pity to lose the Ikidashi skills. So in the late 1970s, Kiriyama's then mayor came up with the idea of log rafting for tourists. 
44 years ago, the Ikata were redesigned for this new purpose and started running the course of the Kitayama River once more, now carrying people instead of cargo. So since the 70s, yeah. that's a long time. But there's a long period of time, like, uh, what, 50 years when yeah. they, this this wasn't done. So somebody must have looked into the history and says, hey, let's let's revive this. Because so at first you don't know what to expect, so you're going, uh, you hang onto the railings real tight. Some parts are just relaxing and you can enjoy the landscape, but then the Ikidashi will warn you to look ahead and all of a sudden there'll be a dip or a <laughs> rapid. Your heart is racing and your body sways with the movements of the raft. Everyone is shrieking and laughing at this point. Adrenaline junkies. <laughs> uh, but if you if you look at these... I I think there are parts of the like the Colorado River and stuff you could run these down. Yeah, but there's parts you wouldn't want to. Mm-hmm. You know, do they talk about? I've been I've been distracted because I'm trying to read ahead. But do they talk about how they get the rafts back up to the top of the river? I gotta think they got some sort of truck or something mm-hmm. that they haul seven tons. It sounds out like was it Sweden? Where where was it that we saw? Oh yeah, there's that build one. Your own raft. You build your own raft, and they you they disassemble it at the end of your and bring trip, it back up, and, and they, they the next put the logs on, and yep, yeah. the next group of people come and rent their their raft and have to build it themselves. And yeah, they got to have some way. They they don't talk about it. But there's got to be yeah. a big truck or something that can handle a ton of wood at least, <laughs> right? Yeah couple of tons or whatever. Uh, since the times um, when the Ikata were used to transport timber, a new generation of Ikidashi has taken up the paddle. Trainees practice for three years. Wow. And are normally allowed to guide people starting in their fourth season. The youngest is in his early 30s, the oldest in his 60s. So it's important for new people to start. Takoro pointed out, adding that the last person to join is still in training. <laughs> so this, yeah, so this is where I was, I was reading there that, like I say, they, they, um, he explained the absence of women is due to the fact that none have come forward for the training, suggesting that this may be due to the physical strength required to steer the rafts. But if any women are willing to try, they are welcome. Nice. I became an Ikidashi 12 years ago because I was looking for work, said Banya. His story, which mirrored that of Takoro, who started a year after him. Log rafting starting point near the river called Otonori. Oto is part of the Japanese word for younger brother, and nori means ride. So in the old days, the name indicated that younger sons were chosen as Ikidashi because older ones were too precious <laughs> to lose. <laughs> we can lose the young yeah, ones. Use the young they ones. die doing this. It's yeah, okay. They're whatever. a young kid. Yeah. <laughs> Air and a spare. Uh, fact, hinting at the perilous nature of the riverine journey uh, along hairpin turns and whitewater tracks. Takoro says, I'm proud of being an Ikidashi and believe my two sons will follow my path. With an uncertain future for its rural community, threatened by depopulation and economic decline, like so many others in Japan, the Ikidashi, who have braved the river that gives Kitayama its name for the past 600 years, are helping the village keep its identity afloat. Well, that's so cool. Isn't it? Yeah, so there's more. They get, this one was a bit mm-hmm. more in-depth. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's... Still, I I know if I ever go to Japan, I'm I'm going there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there, absolutely. There's no ifs, ands, yeah. or buts. 
I wonder if they, you know, this says three years. <laughs> I was going to say, I wonder if they'll let me like try paddling it. Oh, yeah. On, on not. maybe like a. There's probably a, a liability issue. Yeah, but not during, not down one of the rapids, but like maybe in one of the calm oh, flat sections. sections. Yeah. 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 Can I give you a hand? Can, can I do yeah. my part? Yeah. Can you get out and push? <laughs> <laughs> so the town is called Kitayama? Yep. So is the river. It is in. Oh, the lower east side of Japan, I believe. Nara, Japan. Oh, it's very mountainous there, but... Uh, yeah, that was the whole point. <laughs> south Central. Is it South Central? South of... Near Kobe, south of Osaka. See? So... We're going. Just south of the center part of Jap- the island of Japan. Ta-da! Hmm. Pretty cool, though, eh? It is very cool. That is so neat. I'm gonna. We're gonna have to go road trip. Road trip to Japan. Yeah. If anybody it's a wants big to river. go, anybody wants to go, that feels like paying our way. <laughs> we're in. I'll go for a weekend. <laughs> Let's go. Take a day off early on Friday. Yeah. Fly to Japan. Drive over. <laughs> do our you, thing. And come how back. long a flight that would be? That's huge. Well, it's what four or five hours to Vancouver. Maybe like a 16-hour flight, I would think. It might be more. You think so? Yeah. 16 hours there. Oh, so you're saying we might eat four days? <laughs> yeah, that's Day and I'm a half saying. there, day and a half back, and one yeah. day there to do our thing. So it's... We could probably do it a couple of times, because if it's only 70 minutes, we could do it like five or six times <laughs> in a day. Do a couple yeah, in the morning. Don't want to waste do, your time while you're over Well, there. you do one first thing, their first trip, yeah. then their fourth trip. And then their fifth trip, <laughs> their last trip of the day. So you get, yeah, at least three rides a day. Yep. And then you get back to the airport. And you get to know the paddlers really well. And then you fly on home. Mm-hmm. I'm only here for the battling. Gotta go. I'm just here for the battling. See you, folks. Yeah. It's just like Kathmandu. Uh, we, you, you're almost done. Yeah, I'm trying to sip it. It's really good. So Kevin Callan and others have said what they one of the things they like about our show is our banter between us which is really only when I'm awake yeah yeah and when we're talking yeah mm-hmm. so I happen to be up at uh, my son's rugby game and I notice I'm passing there's a place called banter and company brewing so I did the only thing I could do I pulled into the parking lot <laughs> and I went on in nice so yeah it's only like 20 minutes from my house Banter and Company Brewing. Um, it's just in, in Brooklyn, north of Whitby here. They've been open since April 2022. Good selection of beers. Uh, what do we got tonight? We're drinking the Black IPA. It's very good. It is very good. And what does it say here? Our Black IPA is an enigma unto itself, rich and chocolatey with hints of coffee amidst a Ameri- an American hop influence of pine and citrus. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I'm getting from it. It tastes really good. Right. Yeah, it is. It's actually quite good. Uh, so I checked it out, and what do we got? So I, I bought some for us to try, and usually you sip your beers, but yours is... Well, we've been sitting Like, we're only over. 25 minutes in, and you're already almost done. But I've been sitting here for over an hour, too. We haven't been drinking for an hour. I got here at 7. No, you didn't. 
I did. You didn't. Well, five after seven. See? Little five after seven. Uh, they <laughs> they have a logger. They have the Irish. Uh, that was my choice tonight. Was Irish Stout, but you chose Black IPA instead. Uh, amber Ale and an Eng- New England Pale Ale. So we're gonna try these. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be good. I'm thinking. Uh, they do have a good selection of beer: IPAs, English Cream Ale, Irish Stout, Amber and Blonde Ales, Belgian Wit Beer, Lager, Extra Special Bitter, to name a few. You can stay there and drink, mm-hmm. or you can take home. You can yep. get to your flights and that sort of stuff. They do have some food options, but they say you can bring your own as well. Your own food? Yeah. So stop at McDonald's. and Stop at McDonald's, head on over, lay out your spread, and <laughs> have a couple of beers with your burger. <laughs> can you bring somebody else's beer? <laughs> no, no, I think they draw the line there. <laughs> uh, Banterandcompany.com for more information. There you go. But I think we're going to have to, and I, I was sitting there thinking, like, if we're up north paddling with some people, mm-hmm. and we all head south, we can stop there and have a beer. That would be nice. Yeah. Or just on a Tuesday, Thursday night or something. Yeah. Yeah. Say, it's hey, we're, we're heading up there. Anybody wants to meet up. Who wants to join us at Banter? Right? We'll go and banter at the that's Banter. A, that's a really good idea. We should do that. Yeah. See? A little meet and greet. Banterandcompany.com for more information. And we are just going to, yeah, I can't believe you're already almost done. Usually you've got at least a half. Yeah. Even when yeah. you're here an hour and that's almost done. <laughs> Way to go, Pally. Way to go. Uh, speaking of things for paddlers besides beer. Oh, I like my beer. Lexus, the SEMA, 2023 SEMA show. Three customized SUVs. What does that have to do with paddling, you say? <laughs> a highlight among them is the LX600 Premium Lexus Associated Accessory Product, AAP build. Wow, they really... Right? <laughs> they're struggling to get that acronym. I tell you. Uh, which is an off-roader with loads of cool accessories. So this, to me, you know the... You, you see... Um, the old VW the old, van with the surfboard on the with roof. the surfboard on, or the broken down Grand Caravan, yeah. which you know a couple of old beater boats sitting on yeah, top, yeah. and they're going from place to place, hitting white water and stuff, and sleeping in the back, and yeah, yeah. all that sort of stuff. This is what those guys are driving now. <laughs> <laughs> Attractive Lexus LX600 Premium for people interested in paddleboarding. And I don't know why they say paddleboarding. Well, I Because I, you could tie yeah. a canoe or a you kayak could, to yeah, the top exactly, of this thing. Exactly. Right? It wears a color-shifting aquamarine body wrap that evokes how water can change hues depending on how the light hits its surface. They're really pushing to get this. <laughs> oh, there's also a matte gray grill and black chrome trim for the windows and on the bumper. LX600 rides on 33-inch Toyo Open Country AT tires, 18-inch wheels. An awning extends from one side... So if you're sitting, you can pull that awning out and sit yep. under it, yep. right? Um, <laughs> the trailer hitch holds the Yakima EXO Open Range Deluxe Camp Kitchen that extends to become a cooktop, fridge, and sink. <laughs> After a day on the water, this would be an excellent way to enjoy a meal, maybe with freshly caught fish after a day of paddle boarding. You normally think of like Toyota or Range Rover or something as overlander vehicles, right? Mm-hmm. 
With Alexis Overlander. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a mean-looking Lexus GX 550 wears a two-tone combination of earth brown and black. Rides on black 18-inch wheels, 33-inch Toyo open country AT tires wrapped around them. Rock rails run along the sides, and there's an aluminum skid plate underneath the SUV. Roof rack with a ladder holds a pair of cargo cases, one which you can just remove and tie your boat to. Uh, and recovery boards. The rear window accessory panel holds equipment like two gallon liquid containers and a shovel. So these are like on the outside, mm-hmm. right? And um, Lexus doesn't touch the twin turbo 3.4 liter V6. That makes 349 horsepower and 479 pound feet of torque. Sounds fuel friendly. Mm-hmm. But it will get you to different yes. places that your regular yeah. car is not going to get you to for You're sure. You're going to be overlanding on this thing. Yeah. Company also brings a previous generation of GX460 premium AAP build, because we're not getting into that, what that means, in an eye-catching matte yellow saffron body wrap. This SUV has 34-inch open country AT tires mounting to 18-inch wheels. For protection while off-roading, there's a rock sliders and a front skid plate. When you reach your destination in this rig, there's a 10-foot double hammock and a mounting stand. 63-quart waterproof fridge freezer fits in the rear cargo area, has a mount to keep it secure. 12-volt portable air compressor and recovery kit are also part of the extra equipment. So this thing has this bar that comes out. I saw the picture To this, you know, tripod thingy, and you hook a giant, like, two-person hammock hammock to it. Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, I went on the website to look at some of these uh, paint jobs and wraps and mm-hmm. and all the different kits and variable attachment points. It's and- definitely for outside people. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Right? And like I say, any of the... I don't know why they, they're specifying the paddle board. Because it could be kayak. But you could throw canoe. a kayak on yeah. there. You could throw a canoe on there, that sort of deal. Yeah. 2024 Lexus GX inaugurated a new generation of SUV. It features a boxy, more rugged look than the previous version and now rides on a body-on-frame GAF platform. There are a whole bunch of terms they're just using here. Most people <laughs> probably have no clue. There's a standard full-time four-wheel drive system and a lockable Torsen limited slip center differential. The Overtrail version also get a locking rear differential. While the one at SEMA is just a concept, the production spec vehicle goes on sale early 2024. No pricing is available yet. You gotta ask. You can't afford it. Yes, if you gotta ask. Cool looking vehicles for, like I say, the first one there, I would put on a canoe or, yeah. or a kayak or something, mm-hmm. and I'd be hitting places you're not getting with your regular vehicle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's exactly what you could do. You throw a tent in there, and boom, because it's already got, you know, you, you put on the, the back um, hitch attachment for the sink and stove yeah. and fridge and all that sort of stuff. You just need a tent somewhere to sleep. Exactly. And you're set for like a massive road trip. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Buy yourself a Lexus, people. It's, it's quite the setup they had. Like you could see the, the, the paddle board on the roof. You could see the attachment points for like fuel cans or water cans. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it was a neat setup. It really, really. This is where all the hippies went, man. This is where the hippies went. I asked that question earlier today. (laughs) What happened to all the hippies? Yeah, they bought they bought Lexuses. Yeah, (laughs) and now they're out in the water or will be. (laughs) Uh, You sent me this one. 
the world's most majestic waterways. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff here that was really neat. Uh, like I sent you a lot more than what's here, but obviously it's 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 more. This is a, a, a whole lot of something that it's more visual. But yeah. I, what I found interesting is that when they talked about uh, all these really, really nice waterways, a lot of them are UNESCO-listed landmarks and stuff. There were some of them, though. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so there's this list of all these majestic waterways, the world's most majestic waterways that to float along. Mm-hmm. Uh, some are not paddlecraft accessible, i.e. the Panama Canal. Correct. Suez Canal. Correct. So there's a few of them there. So uh, there was like 33 different ones that, yeah, yeah if you have a good-sized boat. Um, or a warship or a tanker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. I'm just going to hop in the big oil tanker yeah. and head down to the Panama Canal today. Yeah, I think if you got into the Panama Canal with a kayak or a canoe, they'd, you'd be chased out pretty darn quick. Or you'd be crushed. Yeah. There, <laughs> oh, there's there's a whole bunch of... Because I was looking at the Suez Canal. Because I know the Panama, you can't. Mm-hmm. You have to catch a ride or portage. That's yes. one portage. Yeah. But Suez, I wasn't sure. But yeah, there's... And they, they, they bill you per um, tonnage and length. Yeah. And you've got to... You have to be on a schedule going through. Oh, yeah. So you, when you enter, you've got to be at this spot by so many hours and this spot after so many mm-hmm. hours. And there's a whole, yeah, you're not doing that in a canoe <laughs> or a stand-up paddle board or, no. or anything. <laughs> uh, but there are a few of them here, and I'm, I'm surprised there's actually a Canadian one on here. Yes. there's a, There were a number that were um, from the Netherlands and Germany, stuff like that. France, there. But there's some of them that when you're looking at the pictures, you're just like, wow. Oh, a lot oh of, yeah. A lot of it's canals and stuff, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. As well. And like I said, this uh, the article I found was it's a lot more of a visual, but but from our perspective here as the podcast, we'll draw you a mental image. We'll draw you a mental image because we are indeed mental. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, a lot of these are, are like these are things that you look at now. To plan for a trip next summer. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Summer, spring. Yeah. Sp- so, well, some of these places in spring when all the flowers and stuff yeah. on the trees are coming out. It'd be awesome. There's one, um, the Midi, uh, Canal du Midi in France. And there's one spot they're looking and all the trees, when when all the leaves and everything are out, yeah. it's like a giant tunnel. Oh, okay. When these Very leaves nice. coming through, right? Very cool. Some of them, I am going to absolutely butcher the names here. <laughs> we'll take turns reading them. <laughs> you can you can read the first one then. Oh. Fill your booties. Uh, you did say you left some pronunciations Grachten here, Gordel. but you didn't do it with this one. Yeah, the Grachten Gordel in Amsterdam, Netherlands. Yeah. It's famed for its sprawling maze of waterways. Amsterdam's canals are probably the city's most iconic feature. The Dutch capital is home to a whopping 165 canals, stretching roughly 60 miles, 100 kilometers. And it's connected by over 1,200 bridges. If you've ever seen, ever been to Amsterdam or ever seen pictures of people in Amsterdam, there's a lot of these uh, stonework or wooden bridges that cross over mm-hmm. the canal. It's very, very neat. So it's uh, sitting in the city center framed by gorgeous buildings lies Amsterdam's most photographed waterways known as the Grachten Gordel. The 17th century canal ring consists of... Whoa, Herengracht, Herengracht, Kaisersgracht, Prinsengracht, and the single canals has been on the UNESCO World Heritage Site since 2010. So 
I'll just <laughs> just to take a left turn here for a second. When I'm doing things like this, yeah. researching, I will go to videos. Yeah, and see how and other least, people like. Pronounce yeah, it? and see how other people pronounce it. Yeah, and for this particular one, it didn't work. <laughs> oh no, it worked. But everybody that was actually talking about it, yeah, had that thick. Like oh, so it wasn't accent. helping. So you, yeah, you're not. There wasn't some <laughs> Canadian or American dude going, "Okay, so here's the Gratched and Grodel." <laughs> there was the rolling R's and the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, they're hawking a loot. This isn't helping the R's. me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, we try to do that, but mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, that's that's pretty good. Now. There, there's, uh, yeah, a lot of people go through the canals up up there. And like you say, with the UNESCO World Heritage Site and that. Yes. It is pretty cool. Yeah. The Rideau Canal. Yes, in Ontario, Canada. Second on the list, yeah. Winding through Canada's capital, Ottawa, the Rideau Canal is the oldest continuously operated canal system in North America. First opened in 1832, it was designed as a secure supply route for Montreal to Kingston following the War of 1812. That's amazing that it's been that in long. operation that yeah. long. And it took a while to get it done. Hale is one of Canada's greatest engineering feats of the 19th century. The waterway is now a UNESCO-listed landmark. Uh, each winter, the canal in Ottawa downtown is transformed into an icy paradise as the waters freeze over. At 4.8 miles long, or 7.8 kilometers, it's the longest natural ice skating rink in the world. You ever been on it in winter? Uh, I've walked on it. I've but walked the last it. couple of years. Uh, well, I think yeah, this I year. To, yeah, because uh, it hasn't been freezing they fully. Had, they've had some issues because they're, mm-hmm. like, it's it's a bit warmer yeah. at this latitude than winter's now. Yeah, and, and they I know they have a sign that usually says, so many official days of it mm-hmm. being open yeah right so but yeah if you can get on it because they they put up like uh little huts and everything along it right yeah you can get yourself like your some beaver tails yeah beaver tails all or that sort of hot chocolate or, and, exactly yeah yeah when it's open it's very popular I, i've never been on it like i've been on it in the winter just walking yeah i've never skated on it yeah i've never skated either but uh and i've never been on it in the summer either ever been on it in the boat oh i've been on it yeah have you yeah Hmm. Uh, the next one is in Greece, the Corinth Canal in Corinth, Greece. Sliding across the isthmus of Corinth, this tiny Greek waterway links the Gulf of Corinth in the northwest and the Saronic Gulf in the southeast. Completed in 1893, which is, that's a fair age too. Mm-hmm. The canal was built as a shortcut, saving ships around 185 nautical miles or 340 kilometers of sailing time. At roughly 3.9 miles, 6.3 kilometers, with the width reaching up to 82 feet, it is one of the smallest waterways. Is one of the smallest waterways in the world, fringed by steep cliffs. Its impressive narrow design has made it popular tourist destination. Like I, I wish, like you people have to go and and, and check. It. If you Google "world's most majestic waterways" on MSN.com, you'll see this uh, this photo array of of all these locations. Yeah, and then take the the names and, and Google them from there to get yeah, yeah. a lot more pictures. That's what I was doing is I took these names and started yeah. googling them, and and there there that one's a pretty cool one because you're going through this. It's like a gorge. Yeah. Right, that that's it's pretty a gorgeous cool. gorge. Gorgeous gorge. Uh, the Dubai Water Canal in Dubai. 
Carving into Dubai's sprawling metropolis, this modern waterway can be found in the city's old quarter. First opened in 2016, the water canal is roughly two miles long, 3.2 kilometers, meanders between the Old Creek and Business Bay. Hailed for its contemporary design, the canal features luxury shops and hotels on either side and is dotted with bridges, providing epic views of Dubai's signature skyline. Nice. Now, there are parts, because I was looking at it, and it looks like it actually goes longer, but this little part that they're talking about is just a small small section, but you can actually paddle a lot farther. Uh, the next one is in France. It's the Canal du, du Midi, Midi, famed for its unparalleled beauty. This pretty waterway in southern France dates back hundreds of years. Built by engineer Pierre-Paul Riguet in the mid-17th century, the Canal du Midi links the Mediterranean with the Atlantic Ocean. It's a whopping 328 structures to its name, including tunnels, aqueducts and bridges. The canal is an incredible example of modern civil engineering. Passing through the tranquil landscape of the south of France lined with greenery, we can see why the waterway made the UNESCO list in 1996. This would be cool one to explore with all those bridges and tunnels and yes, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's like France is such an old country. They've got mm-hmm. so, so much history, so much rich history that it'd be so interesting to... like. You see some of the old towns in France, or and you just—it's all these stone structures that have been around for hundreds of years. It's, yeah, it would be amazing to paddle this waterway. Caledonian Canal in Scotland, uh, thought to be one of the most beautiful waterways in Britain, Scotland's Caledonian Canal cuts through the rugged landscape of Great Glen. Opened in eighteen twenty-two. <laughs> Like, all these are, like, well over 100, 200 years old, eh? It was an engineering marvel constructed by Thomas Telford, traveling 60 miles or 97 kilometers from Fort William in the west to Inverness in the east. An array of breathtaking viewpoints can be found along the canal, uh, alongside picturesque locks that feed into the waters as it trails through the wilderness. Which canal is the one that's elevated 134 Oh, that's feet? the one in Wales. Yeah, the, okay, that's It starts with a P. Okay, so that's not this one. It, it looks like it starts with the word Ponty, but apparently that's not how it's pronounced. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one Kevin went, uh, yes, went on. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that, is, that did make it on the list, but there was way too many big name, big words in there that <laughs> sound nothing no, like... We're not doing it. I'm not butchering, I'm not butchering <laughs> that one. It's got the big aqueduct and everything. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. the big round one? With the well, no, the big aqueduct that which, you can go yes, across. Yes, the aqueduct. Which one has the lift? It's a gigantic wheeled lift. It lifts you from like it's a it's a lift lock, but it's white, painted white. It's got a big rotational thing. It's famous oh, for. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, is that in England? It's in Scotland. Is it I in think. Scotland? I think so. We'll have to look that one up later. Yeah, we'll yeah. Go- we'll Google it during the commercial we'll break. Google it, yeah. <laughs> All right, next one's yours, buddy. So this one is in Hamburg, Germany. It's uh, the Nikolai Fleet. Uh, it's home to more bridges than any other city in the world combined. Mm-hmm. Home to more bridges than any other city in the world combined, Hamburg is a city of water, sitting at the point where the River Elbe... Uh, widens into the sea. Hamburg is Germany's biggest port, linked by hundreds of winding canals and bridges, crowning 
The old town is Nikolai Fleet, the city's most scenic stretch of canal, separating Cremont Island from the mainland, flanked by Hamburg's famous red-hued buildings, mirrored in its waters. Nikolai Fleet is, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. Yeah, no, is that is right. Often compared to a typical canal found in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize there was that much water in Hamburg. Yeah, neither did I. Yeah, and it is Nikolai Fleet. Okay. Yeah, um, I, I I listened to that one too, and yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's exactly how it is. I never heard of that. And the River Elba, yeah, yeah. I I I was very surprised at how much water mm-hmm. is in there. You know, there's so many. I mean, everybody thinks of Venice, yeah, yeah with yes, the water, yes, right, yes. and the yeah. and the 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 guys paddling the gondolas and stuff like that. But it's surprising how many cities have been built on water mm-hmm. in Europe and have all the canal systems yeah. going through the towns. I should know this because I've got a lot of relatives in Hamburg. <laughs> I hope they're not listening because you're going to get phone no, calls. They're all German. They yeah. wouldn't understand what we're saying. How do you know? Could happen. <laughs> Grand Union Canal in England, the UK, uh, covering an impressive 137 miles, 220 kilometers. The Grand Union is the longest canal in the UK. Canal trails from the middle of London through picturesque countryside, such as the Chiltern Hills, into the suburbs of Birmingham, into the West Midlands. Highlights along the vast waterway include Halton Locks, or sorry, Hatton Locks, also known as the Stairway to Heaven. Little Zeppelin going <laughs> on there. Steep flight of 21 locks in Warwickshire and the Iron Trunk Aqueduct, or Cosgrove. A, may, a magnificent Georgian structure over the River Ouse. Ouse. O-U-S-E. I'm glad I looked that one up. I was thinking it was Ouse. Oh. And then, yeah, I found yeah, apparently so it's Ouse. 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 Grand Union Canal. That's a long one. 21 locks. Yeah. All, all, all in, in a row, series. by the way. Yeah. yeah. How long is it going to take to get through something like that? That'd be like days. Just open them all up and let me run right through. Oh, that'd be awesome, eh? <laughs> Start at the bottom. Just like, and then the, last, the top one, you're in it, and yeah. they just open that door. Yeah. <laughs> Release. You're gone. 21 <laughs> locks straight down. Shooting out the end like poop through a goose. Stop this ride. <laughs> I want off on lock 15. Then on the next one, we're moving to China. Mm-hmm. So it's the Grand Canal in China. It's known as the oldest and longest canal in the world. China's Grand Canal certainly lives up to its name. Thought to date back to the 5th century, the canal is one of the largest and most extensive civil engineering projects before the Industrial Revolution. The vast waterway stretches from north and south in eastern China for over 1,100 miles or 1,800 kilometers. Wow. Well, you look at the Great China, Great Wall of China as well, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. They got these big... These big epic projects. From way back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, with its role in China's economic prosperity and stability, the Impressive Canal is now a UNESCO-listed landmark and one of the country's greatest man-made... One of... The one country's, of. One of the country's greatest man-made marvels. That'd be something to change. And, and again, you, you look at some of these in the photos, if you if you Google them, and some of the scenery that you pass and some of the towns and stuff yeah. that goes through, it's just, just seeing that from the water is pretty cool. Uh, Tigre, Argentina, northwest of the capital of Buenos Aires, lies the colorful port town of Tigre, 
known as the peaceful gateway to the Piranha Delta, roughly 200 miles or 320 kilometers of rivers, rainforest, and wetland make up one of the largest deltas in the world, with Tigre in the middle of it all. Uh, with its labyrinthine network of islands and canals, the green vegetation combined with the pretty wooden boats that drift along its muddy waters, Tigre is an enchanting oasis away from the buzzing capital. This would be a place I'd like to go. Mm-hmm. Just to see, you know, all going through the delta and stuff like that with all the little rivers and coming in and out and the rainforests and you got to think of the birds and everything that would be in there too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that'd be cool. It would be very cool. Yeah, good luck with this next one. I I I, I did. Put... <laughs> so this it look it sounds nothing like it's spelled. No, it's it's so it's Kong San Sep. It's in Bangkok, Thailand. It's one of Thailand's most iconic waterways. The Kong San Sep uh, flows through. I have to look at the. Pronunciation. You have to look at the pronunciation. Yeah, <laughs> flows through Bangkok from east to west, beginning in the city's old town. The canal journeys to the. Chakchon Sao province before flowing into the Bang Bang Pakong River, Bang Pakong River, and is connected to smaller canals throughout the city, with its pretty boats trailing through central Bangkok and ornate Italian bridges framing the water. The Sansep is one of the easiest and most picturesque ways to travel through the city. Glad you got that one. (laughs) (laughs) This was a setup. (laughs) Yeah, you can do the first one. Yeah, yeah, that's it. (laughs) Nan Madal Canals uh, in Pompeii Federated States of Micronesia. Hidden gem of the Pacific, Nan Madal is a series of over 100 ancient man-made islets off of the coast of Pompeii in Micronesia. Built between A.D. 1200 and 1500, the ancient city was built on a coral reef, its islands dotted with the ruins of palaces, temples, tombs, and houses. The city has recently made the UNESCO danger list due to the uncontrolled plant life in its waterways that threatens its ruins. With its spectacular architecture and incredible canals, it is one of the most intriguing ancient cities in the world. Interesting. That'd be a cool place to paddle. Huh. For sure. Next we go to Portugal, the Aveiro. Uh, A city shaped by its waters, Aveiro can be found in Portugal's west coast. Located along the Ria de Aveiro Lagoon, the city is characterized by a small network of waterways. The canals are mostly used by gondola-style boats known as... Malasaros. 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 I even put spelling right there. I'm looking at that. I can't even pronounce your. <laughs> che- I can't even pronounce your cheat word. You can't even. I, hooked on phonics doesn't even work for me. <laughs> they were traditionally used for gathering kelp and seaweed. Surrounded by gorgeous Art Nouveau buildings, reflected in the main canal and dotted with colorful boats. Aveiro is one of the most romantic destinations in the world. Hubba hubba. Mm-hmm. Portugal. Yeah, Spain and Portugal and that have some nice waterways oh, as yeah, well, right? Yeah. Uh, Suzhou, Jiangsu, China. <laughs> I was practicing that one today. <laughs> Situated in the southern Jiangsu 
Uh, Suzhou is an ancient canal city in the heart of China's Yangtze Delta, nestled between the vast Lake Tai and Shanghai. The island city has over 2,500 years of rich history. With an area that's almost 50% water, Suzhou is bordered by canals on all sides. While smaller waterways crisscross through its landscape, alongside its spectacular waterways, stunning gardens, and mild climate, Suzhou is home to an ancient water towns that float on its waters, making it a holiday hotspot. Huh. So it's actually, there's, there's spots here where the towns are actually on the water itself. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that before where you're, they're floating. Like a floating Floating city? town, yeah. So, yeah, you got water everywhere, crisscrossing everywhere. You can just zip, zip, zip. And there, you'll find there's a lot of these little places like this that have the 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 water markets and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you can paddle up or people are in their boats with all their – so you, you go up to somebody's boat and, they, and so buy stuff right out of it. Right out of boat to boat. Yeah, boat to boat or your boat into somebody's dockside yeah. stall sort of thing. Huh. Yeah, it's pretty cool seeing that sort of thing. Uh, next, we are going to India. The Alapuza Kerala, it's uh, formerly known as Alapuli. Alapuza is a city of the Lakadive Sea, Lakadive Sea, studded with. Man, some of these words. <laughs> I timed this one Kar- right. <laughs> Kerala's famous lagoons, rivers, and canals fringed by palm trees and farmland. The city's backwaters are decorated with houseboats and punted canoes. What's a punted canoe? It's one of those ones that they, uh, with a stick. Okay. And f- flat. Flat fronts. bottom. And bottoms, yes. Yeah. With its tangled scenic waterways, Alapuza is a popular destination for houseboat cruises and is also the location for the famous Nehru Trophy Boat Race, one of the biggest events in the region. Mm-hmm. Ta-da! <laughs> That's the last one I'll make you do. <laughs> last but not least, <laughs> the Erie Canal. Oh, yeah. Back to North America. Yeah. John Van Berger did this one. Yes. Constructed yes. between 1817 and 1825, the Erie Canal in New York State was once the longest artificial waterway in North America, traversing forests, fields, rocky cliffs, and swamps, originally for 363 miles or 584 kilometers between Albany and Buffalo. It was a triumph of both engineering and construction, nicknamed the Mother of Cities. The canal gave rise to many of the state's major cities, including Albany, Rochester, and Syracuse. Those names are so hard to pronounce. <laughs> I know. Today, the historic Jerk. canal forms part of the Erie <laughs> Canalway Heritage Corridor, recognizing this waterway's cultural and historical significance. <laughs> this was an awesome um, waterway to paddle from from listening to John talk yeah. about it and other people, unless you want to camp along your route. You yeah. really got to plan places yeah, to stay. Yeah, he had some trouble. Yeah. He had to, well, he saw some guy get arrested, didn't he? Oh, no. Well, there was the uh, gang war thing that happened at the one place. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But there was a couple times he had a stealth camp yeah. along the route. So, Tucked yeah. into a dark spot. Yeah, if you're, if you're going to uh, do something like this, you really got to check it out. So Plan ahead. Uh, so, yeah. Um. Majest- most majestic waterways to float along. If you Google that and you'll get, there's like 30 of them. Yeah. And che- yeah, check them all out, check the pictures and then check the list for ones. And yeah, you know what? If you're looking to go somewhere next year, yep. next paddle season. 
Or, yeah. I mean, some of them you could do now. I found what it was three different lists. One was paddle trips in Germany, lakes in of Europe, Europe yeah. and canals of the world. Yeah. So, so there's some pretty good stuff. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. So if you're, yeah, because I mean, some of them you could go, if you're looking yeah. to do something over the winter, March break trip. <laughs> exactly. So you got kids. And Take so, them somewhere for March break. So the, uh, the lift luck I was telling you about yeah. that I couldn't remember where it was. So it is between Glasgow and Edinburgh. It's called the Falkirk Wheel. Oh, the Falkirk Wheel. Okay. And you've seen pictures of it before. Oh, yeah. I, There's. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, yeah, that's, very cool. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It looks pretty funky, eh? Yes. Scottish canals. There you go. I say they just let people go right off the end. <laughs> Mind your step. <laughs> 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 uh, do you remember we talked about uh, Taiwan? Uh, and they're recall? starting to get more organized paddling. And mm-hmm. It's not yeah. really a big paddling destination. And for years, there was the martial law where they didn't let people go out and do that sort of stuff. Yes. And yes. We, that was just a couple episodes ago we talked about that. Uh, within the last week here, Taiwan, nearly 100 stand-up paddleboarders gathered at Keelung's Daulun Beach uh, to protest restrictions on how far beachgoers are allowed to venture into the ocean. Mm-hmm. Protest followed a fine being issued to a paddler who went past the beach's safety cordon, which was brought closer to the shore after three people drowned at the beach in one day. One day. In one day, three people hmm. drown. Demonstrators labeled the increased restrictions mar- marine martial law and repeatedly crossed the cordon in protest. The Taiwan Open Sea Alliance organized the protest and said the cordon was put in place to manage swimmers, not other water sports. The alliance said that the blanket regulations were too crude and restrictions for different types of of ocean use should be designed. Sounds fair. They also called on the government to conduct better monitoring of ocean conditions and publish information about ocean conditions and weather forecasts online. Keelung's mayor responded to the protest saying fines were issued to protect people's lives. And you got to think of the position he's in. Yeah. You know, if, if, he doesn't show that they're trying to protect people's lives. Yeah. They're, they're razzed for it. Yeah. And then when he's trying to protect people's lives. He gets trouble for that as well. Damned if you do, damned if you don't sort of thing. Mayor says the issue is a dilemma for Keelung, which he described as a maritime city. He said the government will review the safety mechanisms in place and implement changes if necessary. Well, it sounds like it is necessary. Those who cross the cordon in protest will not be fined because they are expressing their demands to the government, not engaging in recreational activities. The fire department sent patrol boats to the outer side of the cordon to prevent accidents during the protest. That's cool. So is it stop swimmers or stop paddlers? Well, and that's what they were saying is the cordon's there to stop the swimmers, but then they're saying, well, no, it's to stop paddlers too. But that's not why that was there. It was for swimmers. So they need to work together for a compromise. Uh, you got to put your safety first, but communication is key, especially when it comes to weather and water conditions. You know, so like they, they got they got the the safety alliance or sea alliance, Taiwan Open Sea Alliance. They have to work with uh, 
the the mayor and and the government there to hopefully the between the two organizations they can come up with some good guidelines some good safety stuff uh safety stuff um there is no info surrounding the drownings like what causes nothing it you could find like it they just yeah, there is nothing about it uh is public water safety education needed yeah right like maybe that, that's, that's something needed everywhere so maybe there's just not enough of it so they need mm-hmm. to work on that as well. Yeah. So hopefully they can all figure it out with anybody going absolutely nuts on it and no causing limits causing, and play within it. Yeah. So hopefully the the paddlers can still do what they want to do and the government can keep everybody safe yeah. by, you know, either education or restricting swimmers only. Yeah. That sort of deal. So yeah, and they didn't say I mean they say, you know, like three people drown at the beach. <laughs> so to me, that's swimmers, not Yeah, that sounds paddlers, like a swimmer problem, yeah. Right? So hopefully uh, hopefully they can get that figured out. Um, I just got a couple more small ones here. The Elizabeth River Project, a, nov- a novel new resilience lab designed to move with decades of sea level rises getting closer to being finished and welcoming its first guests with a unique event, oyster restoration done by kayak. Huh. The new Prue and Lewis Ryan Resilience Lab in Norfolk, Virginia is not officially open yet, but that did not keep staff and volunteers from using the kayak launch and outdoor classroom. Volunteers received training in the classroom, then launched kayaks to spread spat. Baby oysters. Baby oysters in nearby waters. I did not know baby oysters were called spat. Spat. <laughs> I just spat in the river over there. You know so zebra mussels, you know what they're called? The what? baby ones? What? It, it, you know, we want to pronounce it villagers, but it's, they're called villagers. 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 Huh. Yeah. Spat, villagers. Spat, villagers. Spat in the villagers. <laughs> the lab named after major ERP donors Prue and Lewis Ryan is a fantastic example of building responsibility on the coast of Chesapeake Bay. Uh, the staff have moved into the building, but the grand opening won't be held until spring of 2024, as certain parts of the facility are still under construction. Building incorporates a wealth of resilient features, such as living shorelines, rain gardens, solar power, solar lighting, flood resistance, previous uh, pervious paving, green roofs, and the outdoor classroom. So 14 volunteers arrived to the outdoor classroom um, to learn about... Uh, the ERP's spat catching program. Then they launch kayaks and spread those spat out into local waterways. Each summer, spat catchers, they use the word spat way too much. It's almost like the foliage (laughs) (laughs) articles. Uh, They hang cages containing oyster shells off of local docks and other structures. Spat need hard structures to attach to at this early age of their life. The shells in the cages provide a somewhat safe place for the spat to attach. 2022 volunteers collected 1,698 spat. 2023 and 46 cages collected a stunning 3,400 and counting. More than double the amount from the previous year. Students at Norfolk State University assisted with the spat counting. All the spat is a great sign of improving water quality. That's what they, you know usually say when you start getting more, right? 
uh, volunteers consisted consisted of local citizens as well as students from Virginia Tech. After some instruction on the SPAT program safety, the volunteers collected baskets of SPAT on a shell, put their personal flotation devices on, and launched their kayaks, each kayak containing two volunteers and two vo- boxes of SPAT. Mary Bennett, an environmental scientist at ERP, led the group down Knitting Mill Creek into the Lafayette River. Volunteers placed the SPAT on shell along Rip Rap and on the existing oyster reefs. Afternoon, where there was a resounding success, volunteers scattered the spat on shell and returned safely to port, considering some of the volunteers had never been in a kayak before. That is an accomplishment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so, very cool. Yeah. Um, ERP has frequent events for volunteers. You can learn more at elizabethriver.org. Uh, check out the Ryan Lab uh, on there and maybe volunteer for something like that. But yeah, getting the kayaks out there to help get those oysters going again. Now it's just, I assume this is just for food and not, or what, what is the purpose? Well, I don't think it's for food. I think it's just getting, building up the population of oysters. oysters. Yeah. To help clean the water and Mm -hmm. do whatever oysters do. Zebra mussels are much more efficient. Yeah. Yeah. They just, yeah, they just kill everything though. And... Last but not least, good old Prince William. Yeah, I had a problem with the wording of this article. Yeah, they say Prince William won a dragon boat race, but I got to think maybe his whole team won it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless, of course, he was in the boat by himself. Yeah. <laughs> but that kind of feeds the purpose. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he he joined a mixed gender British dragon boat team on the water. Um, he's in Singapore right now. And there, there's uh, some um, races going on there. Uh, splashing around on the water, the Prince of Wales wearing a black cap and white polo shirt, which totally was not the uniform that everybody else was wearing. Praised as a natural as his team punted along the marina reservoir. One of the royals, one said the royal didn't miss a stroke as he jumped on the 22-seater boat with locals. British expats living in Singapore. Another said the prince didn't miss a stroke after he took part in the race of 22-seater boat with the locals. Uh, The prince replied saying, I love sports, and he was following the key man in front of me, (laughs) pointing at the captain, before saying he was terrified that if he got the rhythm of the paddle wrong, he would clash with the whole side. (laughs) Because you watch some of these guys go, and everything is just boom, boom, boom. He also praised the drummer in the bow of the boat, saying the drum was very good. Very good <laughs> rhythm. William thanked the mixed-gender crew with representation from 14 nationalities, including eight Commonwealth nations, and said he really enjoyed the racing before leaving. Captain of the team, Chris Bosher, said after the race that the prince was super engaged from the moment he walked down the pontoon to the moment he finished. He added, he was excellent. He said, seriously, guys, I want us to win this. After he was asked about the race calendar, er, sorry, after he was asking about the race calendar, we mentioned we got a race coming up in two weeks and really he should come back and we'll give him a seat in the boat. There you go. He said, it's quite a refreshing break to do from the normal routine. So this was right up his street. Hmm. 
So if the whole prince heir to the throne thing doesn't work yeah, out, he just, can take up dragon boating. Exactly. He's a natural. Right? He's a natural <laughs> dragon boater. <laughs> very, very good. Yeah. Under penalty of death, you will compliment him and you will let him win. Yeah, but yeah, we've seen that before where he just loves to get out and yeah, he does, yeah. do that sort he of does. stuff. I think yeah. he, he gets a lot of that from his mom. Well, yes, exactly. And and it's also, I imagine it would be stuffy, just the normal day in, day out stuff with, uh, you know, there's charity this or some other event that you have to attend. And so it's not like they're, you know, they're living it up. They uh, they have a lot of protocol that they must follow. So something like yeah. this would be a great relief to get out and, and do something new, different. and Yeah. Independent. Well, I think he. I think he's dragon boat raced before. Yeah, yeah, but not in something like this that yeah. mattered. I guess I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, you got anything else? I don't have anything to add. Really? We're both done our beers too. Yes, very good. Well, I still got a little bit left. Do you really? Well, <laughs> it's like sniffing the cap. Banter and Company Brewing. Hmm. Proudly made in Brooklyn, Canada. I think I spelled Brooklyn wrong. Brooklyn. Maybe they yeah, spelled it wrong and you got they, it right. Maybe. Maybe. Could be. <laughs> All righty. Uh, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Download or stream our episodes at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, all your favorite podcast downloading sites, or go to the episode page at Paddling Adventures Radio, and you can stream or download all our episodes there. And if you go there, don't forget to check out our new uh, blog article. Uh, what was it? Uh, how my canoe tripping, or how my canoe uh, career life began. Yes, and there's a series of blogs there. So anybody yeah. who doesn't is not aware that we do have blogs. So we don't add too many. I know I haven't added any of myself at all. Well, we've had people. We've had. Mike Puts Burns and yeah, couple yeah. of couple of uh, guests on yeah. there put in stuff. So and so we welcome people who want to write up a blog for us and, and throw it on. Tell it. us about your life, your story, or whatever when it comes to paddling. Add to our collection of blogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please share it with friends, family, and fellow paddlers. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley and I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. 